Welcome back to School of Science Radio. I'm Gino Ganello. Uh, we're back after kind of mixed bag sort of week for Everton, a loss in the EFL quarter or excuse me, EFL Cup, um, and then a defeat um, against Norwich or a win against Norwich um, on Saturday. We're going to talk a lot about a lot of different things that are going on with Everton. Before we do that, let's bring in uh, who I have on the podcast today. It's Calvin once again, Calvin. Thank you so much for, for being on the pod again today. Hey, Gino. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And let's, um, let's dive right into it. Let's go with the bad first. We'll start with the, the game that happened on the midweek. The Everton lost to QPR. They lose to QPR on PKs. It was 2-2 after um, 90 minutes. And then, um, of course, the EFL Cup goes straight to penalty kicks after that. Um, Everton end up losing 8-7 on um penalty kicks just i honestly couldn't couldn't you know nothing really went their way even in the penalty kicks they got a little bit of luck with uh the missed penalty being called back godfrey sinks the penalty and then davies steps up and misses the the next penalty so um you know everton now out of the efl cup dean and townsend with the goals for everton in this one but it was a mixed bag lineup. Those were really two of the only starters that we saw in yeah. this one. Um, thoughts on the lineup? Was this what you expected, especially with the injuries? Or do you expect still a stronger lineup, even though we had the injuries? <sighs> this, this is difficult. Uh, you know, on one hand, right, especially after losing to Villa, uh, and you could see, you know, when we needed that burst of energy at the end of that game, um, you know, soon after Villa scored their first goal, uh, the Everton players looked gassed, right? Mm-hmm. So I, I'm not surprised Rafa tried to give as many people a break as he could. Um, again, with those squad, squad depth being as, as lean as it is, right, it, it was always going to be tricky once we had a couple of people uh, go out injured. And when you look at like big minutes eaters like BCL and Richarlison, I mean, these guys, when they're fit, and they often are, right? They just play. They play beginning to end every game, game on end, game on game, right? So again, squad depth being what it is, I'm not surprised Rondon got the, you know, Rondon got the start. We, we had to, right? We need a striker. We've seen how toothless we look without that focal point up front. Um, so he needed, he had to get minutes, right? But I, I was I was more disappointed in the performance of a lot of these um, squad backup guys who that you would have expected more from. I just you know, again I I don't think I can fault Rafa for what happened in that game. Um, there, there should be enough quality, especially on paper. I mean Andre Gomez, Tom Davis, Alex Uwobi, and then now you know Ben Godfrey and Mason Holgate, right? I mean this this, this that that's that's the backbone of a you would think a decent enough Premier League side. So mm-hmm. very disappointing to see um, how, how they played and especially just the beginning of the game, right? Um, yeah. Again, you know, the, the whole cup environment, cup atmosphere, midweek games under the lights, it, you know, it, it, it's, it's a bit of a different vibe. And honestly, when you look at, any, again, any experienced team can lose in, in any given day when you're playing cup football, right? That's, mm-hmm. that's the magic of, of cup football, which, which is what makes it as great as is. But just, I, I think, composure-wise, I think we just lost our heads, right? Rafa would have told the guys to go out there, just settle the game down, settle the crowd down, you know, let them have their biggest shout, and then just, you know, 
kill the game off right there, you know, take the crowd right out of it. And, and we didn't, you know, we didn't. We kept making our like silly mistakes to begin the game. Um, QPR was just hounding us down. We were giving the ball away. That just egged the crowd on further and further. And, you know, before you know it, you're, you're, you're down, right? What was it like? I think the 18th minute. Yep. Yeah, Charlie Austin scored in the 18th minute. Again, very predictable how the goal came, right? Uh, our our centre-back pairing is God, Godfrey and Holgate, which on paper, out of our top four centre-backs, they are the two weakest in the air. Maybe this is one area we could probably point the finger at Rafa and say, hey, you know, you know they were going to attack us in the air. Right? That, that's a given. So I think we played right into QPR's hands when we started off our two weakest in the air centre-backs. So one of Keane and Mina there would have actually made a pretty big difference, I think. Uh, so there was definitely that flaw right there. But yeah, uh, otherwise, aside from that, hard, hard, hard to beat up Rafa too much on, on squad selection and, and tactics today. Yeah, I, I think it's, it's really hard to, to kind of, you know, point the finger at him just because it, it, there isn't much to choose from. I mean, our bench, you know, had... <laughs> You know, other than the the four typical starters of Ducore, Gray, Allen, and and Keen, who would typically get in, the, who did get in the game for the most, everyone but Allen did. Um, you have yeah. Andy Lonergan, who's backing up Begovic, who's replacing uh, Pickford, who is injured. Pickford, uh, Jared yep. Branthwaite, who really hasn't seen too much time. Ellis Sims. No. Um, you know, players that I mean, Ellis Sims just got fit a week ago, I think. So. You know, and then of course yeah. you, you look at the lineup that was actually put out there. It's players like Anthony Gordon, who in a full strength lineup is not getting too much time even off the bench. Typically, John Joe Kenny, who we yeah. have talked about multiple times as just not being that right back option, and has proved once again. And maybe we can get yeah. into that a little bit about how yeah. uh, what happened in the Norwich game too. Um, and you know, uh, you got like you said Holgate and Godfrey there. Um, not great in the air. So, but it's, it, there wasn't much to choose from. There's not much there. Like no. you said, maybe just switching one of those center backs out, but you know, Keen and Mina have basically played every minute, I think for a majority of the season since Mina has been, been fully healthy. So um, yeah, it was, it, it's difficult. It's difficult. There's not much to choose from, but we talk about this each and every year. The depth is an issue, but when you have the wage bill that we have, and when you have the financial constraints that we've had, it's hard to, assess that because you need new players that are going to replace other players. You know, we needed, you know, to replace a Hamas Rodriguez and the creativity of that we needed, you know, to, you know, adapt to Rafa's plans in some way or another. So, um, you know, there's, we just, there wasn't enough money. There's not enough money there. And, and, you know, the effects of previous managers are being felt year after year. And I think we're feeling it the most this year, but depth is once again, yeah. an issue. um, Ron Don, we've, you told, you mentioned him, this was his first start, I believe. Um, yeah. What were your thoughts on him? I, I mean, for me personally, he looked gassed after like 30 minutes. And uh, even on, on, on Saturday, as we'll get into, it wasn't much better. Your thoughts on him, w- yeah. was it something that you expected or did you expect more out of him? So it, 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 this one, this one's a very polarizing issue. I, I think you know the more I talk to Evertonians, especially on our Twitter account, right? I I see a very clear divide here. So on one side, you have the guys who are like, "Hey, this is a Premier League proven striker, right? He needs to be showing a little more than we have seen so far 
in terms of in terms of positioning, in terms of composure on the ball, uh, winning aerials, which was supposed to be a strength, uh, hasn't necessarily shown that so far. And then on the other side, there's the other camps that's saying, hey, he hasn't played football, he hasn't done he hasn't done jack in, in four months. It's gonna take him some time to get fit, which Okay, so I, I get a bit of both, right? So here's where I stand, somewhere like bang in the middle of these two camps, right? So on one hand, yes, he's a Premier League proven striker, knows how to get goals, knows where goal is, knows, has the composure, has the, the, the wiles of, you know, of being an experienced striker. So doing the small things like, you know, drawing away a defender when someone else is in possession to open up a shooting lane or a passing lane. I think he does a lot of that. Um, the, the part where I have a problem giving him a pass because he's gone four months without playing football is, did you just sit, you know, sit on your, on your behind for four months and eat jelly beans and then expect to come play in the Premier League? That's, that's the part I'm having a problem with. So yeah. are, are we expecting more out of this guy in terms of fitness than he's capable of giving or, or what is going on here, right? So yeah. that's that, 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 that's challenging. That, that, that's my take on him. I, I think he'll still come good, but honestly, it, it, it's frustrating because he probably came in expecting to play half an hour, 45 minutes every few weeks, and all of a sudden we need him to play two or three 90s in, in a period of seven days, and he's not going to be able to do that. So, and, and in uh, fairness, I, I guess. Yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. No, I was just going to say. In no, I was going to say, we need to temper our expectations with this guy. That's it. Yeah, no, exactly. And in fairness to him, I mean, not only did our top striker go down, I mean, Richarlison fills that role when Dominic Calvert-Lewin's not available and he went down. So there's, I mean, he was third down the line. This is, I mean, this isn't even a depth issue, I don't think. It's just a, you know, it's a, you know, unfortunate set of circumstances. Um, Again, like you said, I, I think... I understand that he hasn't played in four months, but I also believe like you do, you know, if you're a professional footballer, you should be practicing and playing and, um, you know, yeah. at, least, at least trying to stay in some form of shape. Um, and it just looks like he's gassed out there. Like it looks like he just doesn't have anything. Right. And, you know, I, and we'll talk about this in the Norwich game, but he, he, even in this game, after 30 minutes, he was just lost from the game. You didn't hear his name once. You didn't yeah. hear him pop up. He wasn't winning any headers. He wasn't holding the ball up at all. He was getting really no. taken, taken care of by the QPR defense for a majority of the game until he got subbed off. Yeah. Um, so, you know, that's, that's a little bit of a problem. But hopefully we start to see more and more of his quality as, as time goes on. And he's had some chances to score. Um, early oh, yeah. in this game, yeah. he had, I think, two chances to score early in this game mm-hmm. um, and couldn't find the back of the net and then just kind of petered out and, and on Saturday really didn't even get into the game. But, um, but yeah, he's, he's still a lot to work with there and still a lot more to see, hopefully, from him because so far it's just been, uh, you know, more him just being gassed on the field. Um, you mentioned yep. Charlie Austin um, scoring the two goals and, and QPR kind of you know, building off that crowd. What happened to Everton in this first half? Obviously, Charlie Austin, he's played in the Premier League before. He's, yeah. He knows, you know, Everton. He knows, you know, Everton's familiar with him. I'm sure Rafa yeah. is familiar with him as well, you know, in terms of what he can do, um, just, you know, coaching against him. Um, but he still get, you know, he gets two goals and two goals that, I mean, again, if I'm remembering correctly, 
easily avoidable in my personal opinion or, or, or did it just seem like yeah. major breakdowns? But from your perspective, what happened in the first half and specifically what happened on those goals? So, uh, so here's the thing. Uh, so QPR are managed by Mark Warburton, who's like very experienced, been around the block, you know, uh, I, I want to wager he's, uh, he's, he's managed at least half a dozen teams in the championship, right? So yeah. um, he game planned this one to perfection, right? And again, Everton, because of their transfer dealings, are very transparent also to outsiders on what our tactics are going to be. So Seamus Coleman's injured and you need to rest your key center backs. So it's an obvious given John Joe Kenny is going to play this game. So QPR came planning that John Joe Kenny was going to play. And lo and behold, we played Kenny and they absolutely victimized him. All right. So, um, you know, just a quick look at some of the stats from this game, right? QPR, 44%. So that's almost half their attacks came down John Joe Kenny's side. Chris Willock, their left-sided forward, attempted eight dribbles. Seven of them were almost directly at Kenny or down our right side. Um, he was successful on five out of those eight. Right, both QPR goals came from crosses on this side. So again, playing Kenny, we knew we had to play Kenny because we don't have anyone else to play. Yeah. Um, where we failed here was Townsend was probably not supporting Kenny as much as he should have been. And again, can't really blame Townsend for that one. He's used to having a competent right back behind him, right? So yeah, the, 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 this this is an issue here. But uh, so pretty much that that's that's the. That's the dissection of how the goals came to be. QPR yeah. just focused most of their attacks down the left, or at least down the middle and the left. The idea was to get a cross, you know, a ball out to the to the wide guys, cross into the center. Charlie Austin beat our center backs in the air both times. Um, maybe you could have uh, gone after Begovic's positioning on that looped header. He could have probably done that one better. Um, but yeah, that, that was it. I mean, route one football, right? Get the ball out wide, cross it into the box, get your big guy to go up against the other defenders and try and score. They, they did to us what we try and do with DCL against other teams. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, would you have, I mean, uh, Townsend, again, like you said, he's typically used to having a more competent right back, back there, but would you, you feel like it might've been a little bit better if, I mean, I feel like we've seen we've seen a Wobi in those spots on the right right hand side there. If we maybe moved yeah. a Wobi outside to deal with some of that pressure, and and he seems like he's like that defensive replacement, and then play Gray in the middle, maybe would that have worked yeah. a little bit better, or is it just kind of John Joe Kenny's kind of a lost cause at this point? <laughs> so a bit of both, right? So John Joe Kenny is what he is, and. It- Clearly, it looks like he's not even a championship-level fullback. Yeah. Um, now, again, on, on another day, with Dokure and Alan playing, you know, Dokure probably supports him a little better as a yeah. fielder who sits on that side, right? But, again, Davis was having a miserable day himself in the middle, right? Gomez wasn't necessarily helping him either. No. So, Davis wasn't about to sort of leave his post and go support Kenny. Yeah. And honestly, if we didn't have Townsend out wide that day, we probably would have had no goal because he actually had a goal and he had to yeah. give the assist on Dina's goal too. So mm-hmm. again, it's it, it, it pick your poison here, right? If we need Townsend to be the creative force up front, then we can't necessarily also rely on him to be supporting Kenny execute just the most basic responsibilities of a fullback, which is to not let crosses go into the box. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, it's, you know, it's, it's so, it's so tough. Cause you're right. You're right. I mean, it's, 
you know, Townsend needs to be that creative, experienced presence. Because, you know, you could play Gray, but Gray is obviously younger, yeah. not as experienced in, in that, you know, yeah. type of um, situation. And, and Townsend was really, I mean, possibly other than Rondon, I think the oldest, and, and Begovic, the oldest player that started for us. So we're at least the most Probably, yeah. So, um, yeah, definitely need Townsend out there. It's just John Joe Kenny is, you know, I think – it's very clear now that he has no, like, I don't even think Rafa wants to even think about him ever again. <laughs> and we'll, we'll talk about no. that. In the no, moment. yeah. Um, but let's talk sure. about some of these other Brink players, though. We've talked about Kenny, I think, and we can go, I mean, yeah. we feel like we go on and on about him each episode because of the lack of depth of that position and, and whatnot. Um, but a couple other of the younger players who got to start, and we talk about youth, um, Tom Davies. Mason Holgate, Anthony Gordon. Your thoughts on their performances. I know you've already said a little bit about Davies, but your thoughts on their performances in this one in a game that was largely a very big game for them to make an impression on Rafa and, and, and kind of get themselves into his plans. Yeah. All right. So, yeah, so let, let's talk a little bit about Mason Holgate, right? So, uh, so again, you know, we've, we, we've had, we've had, uh, we've had Holgate for a few seasons now, right. But the first team, um, you know, when he first broke through, it looked like, yep, he, he really had the chops to become a premier league defender. Um, I think he endured a couple of really miserable seasons and then he seemed to have sort of found his level as the fourth center back. Right. And that's kind of where he is right now. Now, with injuries and things, uh, he's probably played a few more games than you would have expected him to play this season. I mean, he started the season for us in the Premier League, you know, the game against Southampton. Um, and then he played again against Brighton. Uh, both of them games we won. But there was almost two opposite versions of Holgate we saw in those two games, right? Against Southampton, he looked nervous. He looked jittery. Didn't look like he really expected he was going to be playing. And then all of a sudden, he was starting um, you know, made that mis- I wouldn't say it was too much of his mistake. I mean, it was a bit of a suicide pass. He played into Keane. No, hang on a second. That was when Keane lost the ball, right? And then Holgate lost his footing, so couldn't necessarily support him. I'm not going to beat him up too much for that one. But whatever communication issues they had between the pair of them, they worked out against Brighton. Um, uh, I would say Brighton are a much better team against than Southampton are, and and the two of them looked a lot more composed. Um, I think playing away at Brighton, you know, sort of uh, just maybe galvanize them. You have that away from home, going to play, play play stronger, play tougher. Um, I think Holgate thrives in that kind of environment. But from a leadership perspective, right, I, I'm, I'm not seeing it, right? When you, when you see him, when, when, he, when he gets the start in both the Carabao Cup games, in fact, against Huddersfield, he was the captain on the pitch that day and a captain ahead of Tom Davis. I think that's, that's a pretty big point to keep in mind, right? So, you know, you expect that leadership from him, and I didn't see it against QPR, right? He was out there losing his head just like everyone else was um, when QPR was controlling that game, right? So, uh, this, this, it, it's frustrating, right? We, it, it's the same situation we've had with our under-23s. We have these kids in the under-23s who look like they're really going to be something um, you know, they make a handful of performances for, uh, uh, they make a handful of appearances for the starting, uh, for the first team and then, you know, just fall flat on their faces and then championship loan, championship loan. Eventually, we are, we've got 26-year-olds in the under-23 side that 
are neither here nor there, and then we're cutting bait. And it's starting to look like Tom Davis and Mason Holgate, unfortunately, are right in that camp, which, 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 which is really bad because I, I think both of them, they really embody the Everton spirit. You know, they've, they've, they've grown up in the, uh, maybe not so much Holgate because he came in later, but they're, they're Evertonians through and through. And to not have presences like that in the first team, it, I, I think we lose as a club and as a culture. So I, I think, but then I think that puts a lot more pressure on them to perform as well, right? So it, it, it's this balancing act where, uh, you know, we want them to succeed, but we also scrutinize them with a much bigger magnifying lens whenever they don't necessarily do well. Yeah, no, I, I, I understand that. I think, you know, the, the crazy thing about Holgate is just, you know, two seasons ago, he was the player of the season. He was our player's player right. of the season. You know, he was... Um, he was phenomenal until that injury. And then ever since the injury, he just hasn't looked anything close to what he was. He hasn't been anywhere near that. And it's, you know, you just wonder, because he's probably the most interesting case, I think, out of all these. Tom Davies never really has gotten his footing anywhere. He's had his good performances. He's had his bad performances, but nothing really fantastic. And um, so, you know, you understand that. Anthony Gordon, on the other hand, um, has had some pretty good performances, but we haven't seen too much of him, so yeah. we can't really judge that yet. But Holgate's kind of right in the middle where he's had his last couple of years haven't been great. But two years no. ago, he was the best player on the team. So it's, yeah. you know, I, I don't know. I, I don't know if we're ever going to see that again, which is the problem. And it's like, you know, there is potential there for him to get back to that, and that's great, and that'd be awesome for him to be a you know, uh, um, right. a consistent center back part, partner or center back that we can put in there, but we haven't yeah. seen anything of it in two years or a year and a half or whatever. So, um, that's going to be very interesting to see. Um, I, but yeah, I mean, Holgate right now for me is a player that is on the outside looking in and really needs to step it up. Yep. Um, Davies, I, I just, I don't know if there's a spot. I think the reason he's on this team is because, still is because we can't afford to get any more players in and Gabamon's been hurt and Megan has been hurt. That's the only reason he makes the bench. I think he each and every week. Um, And then Anthony Gordon, as I said, you know, he's shown some good signs of attacking potential. The one problem that in my personal opinion, um, I would like to see a little bit more attacking returns and assists or a goal just to see him get on the score sheet. And, you know, he is making good yeah. advancing movements, but let's take that next step now and start getting on the score sheet when you get those, these opportunities, especially against these lower yeah. level sides, um, because I think that's what will propel, propel him into that, you know, can use him off the bench in the first team in a Premier League match type of, type of thing. Um, but go ahead. I'm just going to add there with, with Gordon, right? So I, I, I think having, having players like Gray and Townsend, right, with their work ethic and how they're playing and the mindset that they have, I think Gordon's going to learn quite a bit from them. Um, so again, the, as long as Gordon doesn't get sent out on loan and stays within sort of the yeah. first team pitcher, I, I think there's definitely an opportunity for him to learn there, right? Whereas with Davis and then with the, Holgate, it's not looking great, right? Um, Davis has 155 appearances for Everton, right? Uh, Holgate has 115. Like that—that—that—that's a lot, lot of, lot of games to have played to still be on the fence about 
is this guy Premier League caliber or not, right? Yeah. And I, I think signs are they're not. Whereas Gordon, again, probably two dozen games at most that he's, he's, he's gotten minutes, and even that's been probably not too many starts out of those as well, right? Yeah. But I, I think there's still five. an opportunity for him to learn. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, yeah, I think that no, to continue what you're saying, I agree. I think there's definitely an opportunity for him to learn. There is still a little bit of a growth period here. The hundred plus appearances for both Holgate and Davies, that's the worrying thing. That's, so that's not we'll good. see yeah. how it plays out. Um, but I mean, I think both of those players are on the outside looking in. Um, obviously, things changed in the second half. Everton kind of picked up a little bit more of an attacking you know, threat. And obviously, Townsend gets the goal right away after the half. Everton have typically looked like more of a second half team as it is, um, which is, yeah. you know, which is nice. We don't typically have that. Um, <laughs> but at the same time, even though we picked it up in the second half, still only 39% possession across the entirety of the game. This is against the championship side, a side that's not even eh, and hasn't been in the Premier League <laughs> for quite some time. Are you worried yeah. that against the championship side, we still only had 39% possession? Or is this just the, you know, just how Rafa does things and that you just got to roll with it? So, again, a little bit of both, right? Uh, I, I think QPR are averaging about 60% possession for their entire season. So this is a team that is comfortable holding the ball and passing it around, right? Now, if if we had our first choice midfield in there, if it was Alan and Docker in there, and and say Richardson playing, and Townsend and Gray all on the pitch, yeah. uh, and our first choice centre backs, and they still had sixty percent possession, I I I I would be livid right now, right? But it, it wasn't, right? So QPR again, they're much more familiar with their own players. They didn't necessarily rotate too much. Um, I think for out of their side, I think they had about five or six of the regular starters actually play this game. Um, so from that perspective, no. And then, then I think Rafa, knowing that he was going to lose the midfield battle on this one, set us up to counterattack. And, and I thought we were actually fine playing that game had we shown the defensive discipline required to support that. Now, in the second half, we kind of like let loose a little bit. We're like, okay, we've got to make a real go for it. And, and we played much better, I thought, in the second half. So, sure, we had a little bit more possession. But I thought the times we did have the ball, we definitely had the better chances. We, had, we, we, could have, we should have really won that game within 90 minutes uh, it, it, because I think QPR faded. You know, I, I don't think they were creating anything. They were just trying to lump the ball forward at every opportunity, whereas we, we seemed to show a little more in the second half. Mm-hmm. Um, just unfortunate didn't get work out. I, I thought Michael Keane probably had the best chance of the second half there. He really should have scored, ended the game there uh, yeah. when he came on out as a sub. So not, not necessarily worried too much about the possession piece. You know, we, we might as well get familiar with playing without possession because that, that is what our sort of skill set lends us to play as right now as a team. So um, if that's what works, uh, hey, last, week, last year as a counter-attacking team, we pretty much beat up on the top six with Carlo, right? We we beat, yeah. we won a lot of games we were not expected to win. So I'm 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 not I'm not I'm not fighting too much about the possession thing. I'm not expecting to see Tiki Taka football anytime soon. So yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. I don't expect to see that either. Uh, just I, I guess maybe uh, see a little 
I guess when you look at the numbers, you would like to see a little bit more possession. But again, like you said, um, yeah. you know, obviously a lot of factors go into that. Um, and one of them being that we did not have, you know, our top players on the pitch. And then, you know, we still did, right. like you said, we still, we still convert, we still had chances. So it's not like it was hindering us in any, yeah. in any way. Um, finally, let's just wrap this QPR game up before we move on to Norwich. Everton now out of the BFL Cup. Um, another year, uh, another chance at a trophy another that's year. been nicked off. Now only, <laughs> obviously, you know, Everton could win the Premier League if we, you know, dream and obviously all that. And then obviously sure. the, the FA Cup. Um, so those are the only two yeah. shots that Everton, maybe not even realistically, but the, the <laughs> right. mathematically only the two shots that they have a trophy this year. How big of a loss yeah. is this for Everton that they're on it, that they're out of the, the, the cup, the, this specific cup, I guess this early. Cause I think yeah. if you ask most people, this is probably the one that they have the best chance of winning. Yeah. Well, so uh, again, I, I think there's, there's a sense of unfinished business with the league cup, right? It's the one Everton has never won. So therefore until we win this damn thing, every single time we play a game in this tournament, the commentator is going to you know, remind us how we've been to this many finals and have never won this trophy in this club's storied history, uh, blah, 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 blah. And, you know, seriously, I'm sick and tired of that, right? So, that, so that the sooner that ends, the better. And obviously winning the League Cup sooner than later also then means our trophy drought ends, which now has gone on since 1995. Again, just another one of those things that we just keep hearing every time Everton are on the pitch. And it's like this just make it stop, right? So if we could win the League Cup, well, I guess not this year now, but in 2022, just win the League Cup, get it done, get that dusted, so then, you know, we can all start talking about different things. So from that perspective, I cannot wait for us to win the League Cup. But yeah, that aside, I, I think with how, how thin the squad is, I'm, you know, it's, it's no skin off my back being out of this tournament. It, it just means... Between now and December, when, when, the squad, when the schedule gets really hectic, we play maybe three, maybe four games less than we do. Because this was the third round game. We'd have a fourth, fifth, sixth, and possibly a quarterfinal before Christmas. Um, so, yep, I'm, I'm glad we don't have to play those games. Uh, that's all more rest for all our players because the squad is so thin. And, and uh, as for all the guys who, the, the fringe players who missed an opportunity, well, it sucks to be you guys. You blew this opportunity. So thanks. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, I mean, it's for me because of the, the problems that we've had, honestly, I was okay starting a lineup that wasn't that great and the lineup that was always going to have the possibility of losing this match and then losing this match. I think right. it hurts because we were so close to getting through. I think that's the, the hard right. part to swallow is the fact that played well enough probably to get the win. And even when we didn't get the win in, in regulation, went to, to 15 penalty tape, 16 penalty, penalty kicks. Taken. Yeah, so, right? yeah. You know, it's like he couldn't win one before the end. You know, it's like it, it, was, it, 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 it yeah. was possible. And then maybe by the next time, you have more players, more well-rested and whatnot, and you can figure it out then. But, um, but yeah, I think the, I think honestly, I think the most important trophy uh, and I put trophy in quotations because it's not actually trophy, but um, would, I think getting into Europe is the most important thing. I think that yeah, if Everton absolutely. can do that, that is the most important thing this season, whether it's the Europa league, yep. Europa conference league, I, I think anything just to get us 
whichever right in yeah. in Europe is is an extremely important step. So if it means playing less games and focusing more on the Premier League or playing worse players yeah, in this game so that we can get the wins in the Premier League, fine by me. So yeah. um you know that's uh you know that's that's just kind of the the price you have to pay. Um and and you know maybe we can keep a manager for a couple extra years. We don't have other managers players <laughs> in his squad and we can start to build something here, but none of this again. happens. Yeah, exactly. Again, we'll see. Um, <laughs> all right. That's it for QPR. We'll take a quick break here and we'll come back with Norwich after this. All right. We're back and we're talking Everton and Norwich Everton. Uh, this game took place on Saturday. Um, Everton defeated Norwich two nothing. Uh, the goals came from uh, Townsend on a penalty kick and then Ducore in the 77th minute. We'll talk about both those things. But first, few changes to the lineup. This is a Norwich team, before I get into this, this is a Norwich team that has looked absolutely pitiful all season. Um, so <laughs> yeah. a goal coming into this game, it, was very, it would have been very typical if Everton were to lose this game, but they didn't. Win 2 oh, nothing. Yeah. <laughs> there were plenty of changes to the lineups. Uh, it's a lineup. Ducore and Allen were both back in. Godfrey moved out to right yeah. back in place of Kenny. Keen and Mina back at center back. And then a Wobie for Gordon. I think that wrapped it up. Um, your thoughts on the lineup? Uh, so, again, back to Premier League, back to business, back to the best squad available. Uh, you, you can't have any quibbles about the, the team that uh, Rafa picked for this win. Yeah, I, I think just... Um, I think just uh, with with just everything that's um, you know going on with the injuries and whatnot, just seeing a, a basically full yeah. strength lineup was um, was was important. Um, and I think you know I think he did the right thing. I think Kenny replacing Godfrey was um, you know I think that was the right move because Kenny clearly didn't do too much <laughs> um, uh, as we it talked is. about against QPR. Um, but yeah, I think everything. I, I don't think you can have too much qualms with with anything that he put out there. Um, Townsend obviously scores on the penalty in the 29th minute. Um, Allen goes down and just as he gets inside the box on a kick from Kabak. Um, your thoughts? Was it a penalty? I know it was a little. It could have been a little controversy there. Was it a penalty for you? Yeah. I, it was a penalty. I, I think it was a pretty clear penalty. Um, you know, I, I think the only argument there was had Alan sort of, you know, because basically Alan blocked the clearance and then the ball sort of bounced off his shins, went past the back line. He went after it and got kicked. Um, you, you could see Kavak was in the process of trying to remove his foot, having realized he had missed the ball. But again, there's no doubt that's a foul, right? So, um, from what we have seen on how penalties are given, and, and, and this goes back to even before VAR, right? How often do we see it is, you know, you have a, a player bearing down one-on-one on the goalie. The goalie rushes out. The, the player sort of slides it past the goalie and then goes down under the challenge, right? And that's almost always given a penalty, even though half the times the player or the, the forward running at the goalie pushes the ball away from goal. Right, so then you start to get into this debate of could he actually have retrieved it had he not been fouled, and I think that's that's the opportunity cost of giving a penalty is we'll never find out, 
right? So, so to me, using that logic, that was absolutely a foul. Was Alan impeded from trying to get the ball? Yes. Could he have done more with it? Who knows, right? But yeah. we'll never get to find out, and so that's why it's a penalty. And and so it was pretty cut and dried to me. Yeah, I, I think you know, for me, when I was you watch the replays over and over again, I think there's always the possibility that he was already going down, maybe a little bit before that, you know. But he's leaning forward; he's rushing towards the ball. So he's, I yeah, think rushing towards the goal. Right. I, I think that was the momentum that carried him forward, and maybe that's why it looked like he was falling down a little bit. As you mentioned, yeah. we'll never know if he could have gotten the ball, but it was possible. He has all the momentum. He's going that way. Kabak wasn't going to beat him. Right. Too. The other defender, I think, was looking at him as well. So if anybody was going to get to the yeah. ball, it was either him or maybe the goalkeeper. Um, yeah. Kabak definitely impeded his, you know, his run, and, and definitely, he definitely made contact. Whether it was soft contact or not, he definitely made contact. No, definitely contact. Yeah. Um, so I think by all those things, it was a penalty, and – you know, I know for me, I I guess this is probably the the smart decision, and and just wasn't thinking. But um, I was a little, I was I was wondering who was going to take the penalty. Um, you know, between with Charleston <laughs> and and Dominic Calvert Lewin out, who who's taking the penalty? And I forgot Townsend was on the field. I honestly thought it might have been Gray, yeah. but Townsend sinks the penalty, does a beautiful job, um, and Everton go up one nothing. Um, but it was kind of. It wasn't an easy one. It wasn't an easy lead after that. Everton endured a bunch of pressure. Um, Brandon yeah. Williams, I believe it is, on that left side there, that their left back, mm-hmm. kind of made Godfrey look a little silly there a couple times. Not maybe not silly, but was just blowing by him, and they just kept attacking that left side, which caused a lot of problems yep. for the Everton defense. Let's talk about Godfrey a little bit. Obviously, he played on Tuesday. Plays again here. He's been playing a lot since coming back from COVID. Hasn't looked great. Are you worried about him? Or is this just kind of, you know, it's going to take him a few games to get back and a few more games before he's at full fitness again after everything he dealt with? I I will say I am worried about Ben Godfrey, not from the perspective of, uh, you know, match fitness in in terms of how many games it's going to take him to to, to get back to fitness, but more from how this bout with COVID seems to have been affecting him. Um, He's definitely, it's definitely hit him bad. Uh, You know, in an interview this week, Rafa was talking about how uh, he had a a pretty severe uh, bout with COVID and uh, he's he's struggling. He's still struggling. Rafa said, as of this week, he thought Ben Godfrey's fitness was at about 70%. So this is is a player... (laughs) who's on basically one and a half legs, if you will, right? Um, and, and he's still getting the start ahead of John Joe Kenny. So that, that should just like, really, if you're John Joe Kenny right now, you should be thinking about like an, another, another career. I'm sorry, but you know, that's, that's what I'm trying to say. But anyway, going back to Ben Godfrey, right? He's, he, he's obviously struggling. Um, he, he's going to take some time. Again, no one knows yet what long-term effects of COVID are and how much this is going to continue to affect his fitness. Um, if another month into the season, Ben Godfrey is still at this level of fitness, then we are going to have serious troubles because he's our third choice right now, at least third choice center back. And that's a, and that's a problem because like we've already talked about, uh, Mason Holgate's not necessarily a very comfortable fourth choice for us either. So um, an, an area that could be one of strength is certainly starting to have some holes in it. 
we know Yerimina is not fit enough to play every game of the season, right? Uh, we're lucky to get 60-70% of the games with Mina fit. Um, and then we've got Michael Keane, who, again, t- tends to be usually pretty fit, but we also know he's capable of the very occasional brain fart. We know he's got some issues with playing or defending in a high line. So this this is very concerning, Ben Godfrey not getting fit because it keeps us from playing things like playing on a high line, for example, and relying on his pace on counters or to kill off counters uh, when he's on the pitch. Uh, So I I will say I am very worried about this whole COVID situation with him and uh, just hopefully he gets gets back to fitness because he he needs to get 100% fit. Um, as far as his skill, talent, ability, um, no concerns there whatsoever. He he's still an incredible defender. Um, he's got the, he's got the mindset for it. He hasn't lost any of his um, tackling intensity or anything else. So not worried from that perspective. Just need yeah. him to get fit. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I think you know one of the like you said one of the things is we don't know the long term effects, but also a lot of the time you know majority of the people that are getting COVID and, and are getting over COVID and dealing with the effects of it after that are not professional athletes and they're not a professional soccer right. players and they're not running 90 minutes every week and doing, you know, fitness training and all that. So I think that also yeah. plays into it where, you know, a typical person, this may not be the effects of them, but, and, and without getting into the science too much, I mean, Hey, Godfrey runs a lot. So, you know, it, he plays a sport where you run all the time and, He's, you know, also playing a position at right back where he is asked to go forward and is asked to get into the attack a little bit, which he's already not comfortable with. Yeah. Um, and now he's right. asked to make those runs, which could play into the fitness a little bit as well. But um, as you mentioned, yeah. I, I'm not worried about him, just worried about him getting that fitness level back up. That's the most important thing. And, um, you know, we're just hopefully – he gets, you know, I'm sure he'll get probably a run out unless Sheamus is available for some reason against Manchester United. And then um, he'll have a couple weeks before he'll have to, to recover back. there. So yep. He'll have a little, little yeah. bit of time to recover there. Um, moving forward, Everton kind of left it a little late. It was getting a little touch and go there, you know. Norwich was, <laughs> yeah. Norwich was getting into the Still game pressing. a little bit. Yeah. But Damari Gray... Gets the ball, passes off to Decore for a 77th minute goal. I mean, two of Everton's probably, I mean, if you had to end the season right now, probably be up there for players of the season uh, so far. Yeah. Um, your thoughts on just how big both of them have been for them this season, but specifically how big they were in this game as well? In this game, yeah. <laughs> I mean, just the way they're playing, right? Is it a surprise? We keep talking about the same four guys every week. It's it's Gray, it's Townsend, it's Alan, it's Dokore, right? And 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 for us, for Everton to win uh, right now, it, it we need to get all four of them playing, and they all four have solid games, and we win. I, I think just one follows the other, and once again, Saturday we saw all four of them show up with with big performances. Um, Gray, even when he's not on the ball, right? Um, we talked to a few Leicester City fans, right? When we signed Gray and we're trying to get some mindset on them. And it, it, was, it was interesting that there was a bit of an attitude about this guy is a forward. He feels entitled. He doesn't necessarily get involved in the game and the defensive phase. Um, I don't think as Evertonians we've seen that at all. 
Uh, he seems to set himself about. He's out there pressing, challenging, trying to win the ball back in the opposing half. It was not a surprise at all for, to see him win the ball for that second goal, right? He, he pressed one of the midfielders, you know, caused an error, stole the ball, exchanged the pass with Alain, found Okere, goal, right? So not surprised to see that at all from Gray. I, I think he's showing a hunger for the game. Right now, playing for Rafa, he's enjoying getting those regular minutes at Everton. So, uh, again, I think it's all good with him right now. Um, Townsend, I mean, we can give Townsend a break, right? We talk about him all the time. Is there anything left we don't can say about him right now? So, Townsend's good. Um, let, let's talk about Alan and Dokery, right? So, yeah. again, two signings that came in last season, right? We, we talked about them last season. They changed our midfield last season. And then this season, with a little more license to roam, these guys are amazing right now. They're, they're attacking. They're, they're, they're funneling so much of the play through the middle, which Everton have not done in many years. Um, I think Alan should have a couple of like secondary hockey assists for the Norwich win. I mean, he won the penalty, right? Um, he had the pass back to Gray that allowed Dokere to score. Again, it was a great pass. It was passed with vision. He received that ball, I think, with his back to goal, and he kind of turned and played Gray into space, and then that opened up a whole world with Norwich backpedaling. So, again, these four guys, they're loving their football right now, and Evertonians are loving them having play, you know, watching them play for us. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, going on the defensive thing for Gray, I'm sure that Rafa's style of play and his demand defensively has played into a little bit of him being so good defensively as well and so involved defensively, I guess yeah. you could say. Um, and that's also yeah. something that we didn't talk about with Rondon too much, and obviously his lack of fitness plays into this. But typically when Dominic Calvert-Lewin, Richie, uh, Damari Gray, they're all healthy, you're getting a full-court yeah. press up against a, especially oh, yeah. like Norwich where we weren't getting that that much. And that, I think, is the frustrating part against a team like Norwich. Kind of let their center backs and their, their, their defense kind of hold on to the ball and do with it what they wanted because Rondon just didn't have the fitness to press. But, you know, you see what happens right. when you press and when we can turn these, especially these lesser teams who have less quality at the back, these players over to results in, in, in fast break, you know, kind of, you know, transition goals. And that's, yeah. you know, kind of how that's, that's Rafa, you know? It's like that's how we assume he's going to play is trying to work on those transition goals, those, those counterattacking goals. Um, but Gray has been phenomenal. Yeah. He's really fit in. He's been, you know, I think one of our, you know, especially with Dominic Calvert-Lewin and Richarlison out, I would, if I'm an Everton player, I'm looking to get him or Decore the ball every time I'm looking yeah. at the field. And every I think those time. two players Absolutely. have been phenomenal in just progressing the ball. Something, we, like you said, we haven't had. We don't, we can't, we have, we're so predictable typically and just going down the outside and crossing it in the middle and just being able to have a little bit of play and a little bit of variety down the middle is just such a breath of fresh air. Um, Ducore just, I mean, you speak about Alan too, you know, we, when he came over, everybody talked about his defensive abilities, but nobody really mentioned his capabilities going forward. And he's really shown a lot of that this season. It's been fun to watch. It's been fun to watch. So, um, you know, I think just that midfield, Gray, we've talked about Townsend multiple times, as you said, but I think they've just all been phenomenal. And, and, and again, Everton may not have had a ton of money to transfer in too many players this season, but Rafa has done with yeah. what he's had 
you know, pretty good, pretty amazing stuff and turning Ducore into a, an attacking style player in that midfield, a box to box midfielder, which we were, you know, expecting from him when he came over and turning Allen right. into that and turning Damari Gray into a really top quality creative player. Um, so, you know, it's been, a, been nice to watch this season, those, those players, because <laughs> they really have, have, um, you know, shined out there. Um, finally, just, just, a, just a thing to note while, while we're talking about the midfielders, right? I, I really believe if Everton actually invested in a defensive midfielder or say we had one, um, you know, in, in the team, like, you know, just, just, just someone a little more defensive stay at home than yeah. say Alan would. I fully believe Rafa would have Alan and Dokore lead the full court press, like you said, right? And he would just let them roam like, you know, the, the dogs of war in the other yeah. box and just cause havoc. Because that's exactly what I think the both of them like to do. Um, Alan, with his years and, you know, having lost some, some speed there, he's not the best at catching back up again. So very often you watch when Everton get in trouble, is when Alan over pursues in the midfield and then gets beaten. And now you've left this big hole right in front of the defense. Um, so, you know, th- th- this is the kind of time where, uh, geez, like if we had like say Gareth Barry playing for <laughs> us right now, oh my goodness. Right. Cause I can just see that midfield. You have Gareth Barry sitting right in front of the defense. And now you've got Alan on one side, Dokore on the other side. And then your forward line is, uh, you know, DCL up top, Richie on the left, and maybe Gray on the right, and Townsend to spell either of them. Or late in a game, you're chasing a game, pull off one of your center halves and throw Townsend on as well. And, you know, Richie now goes into the middle and adds another body to be in there. That gives you so much more variety. So I'm starting to get to that point where I really think Everton need to invest in a defensive midfielder. Yeah. I don't know whether that's going to happen in January or not. But, like, yeah, so Gareth Barry or, uh, you know, let's let throw out some names out there, like Declan Rice, Calvin yeah. Phillips. Oh, my God. Can we get one of these guys? You yeah. Know? Yeah. And guys who not only do the defensive work well, but are able to take that ball up, kind of survey the field and find Alan, exactly. find Ducore, find Amari Gray. Those yeah. are the, those are, that's the type yeah. of player we would really like to see. And, and who knows? But – I mean, hey, there's a, there's a plan, right? There's, it looks like there's a, there's a plan as to what these players are supposed to do, which I don't think we've really heard. I mean, we I hear plans here and there, but I think we were starting to get an idea for the actual direction that Rafa wants each of these players to, and, to go and the, the role that he wants them to play. And it, it, it makes yeah. sense. It makes sense. And we're, we're seeing you know, the benefits of kind of his tactical approach with the players that were brought in and, and the players that we've already had already yeah. this season. Um, Finally, before we wrap this up, obviously two straight losses without DCL and Richie. We don't know how long they're going to be out. We're expecting, at, you know, maybe Richie back this week, but I think both of them definitely back after the, after the break. Does this yeah. kind of allow you – I mean, listen, we're going into Manchester United. We'll talk about that a little bit. Does this allow you to breathe a little bit? You know, and, and you know, maybe we don't expect a, a win in Manchester United, but – we got to win yeah. against Norwich. We got to win in the Premier League after two straight losses. Um, and, yeah. and it's like, okay, you know, it's, it's, it settles the ship a little bit. Yeah, so I, I, I think after the Villa game, um, you know, we, 
you know, I, I think just the magnitude of the way we lost that game had, had everyone panicking, going out to QPR immediately after that. And, you know, I think the worry was, oh, my God, is this, are we going into a tailspin after flying so high? So uh, I, I, I will thank the schedule makers for putting Norwich on our schedule last Saturday because were it United last Saturday, we'd probably be in a lot worse shape. Um, so, you know, playing Norwich, playing a pretty calm, composed, solid game, um, not necessarily too much of a challenge there. Uh, I think we, we we handled that well. We acquitted ourselves well. We came out of that with no players injured. So that was, that was, I think that's always the biggest win at this point. When you finish a game, you've got three points and zero injuries. That's great. Um, Jordan Pickford came back. That was a bit of a surprise. Looked like he tweaked that shoulder. That was the problem there. Though Rafa seems to be indicating that he's fine, so we'll we'll trust Rafa on that one. That's good. Um, always good to see Jordan back, um, uh, back and not just back, back and very composed. I think we had some concerns about Pickford's mentality with stadiums uh, having people back in them again, because you know we've seen in the past Pickford tends to get a little overexcited. The crowd tends to get under his skin. Not seeing that this season, so he seems he seems to be a, a lot more calm, a lot more composed. Um, so happy to see that, but yeah, I, I think winning against Norwich has set, you know, at least the immediate panic is over. Um, Rafa can go back to whatever plans he was building long-term. I, I, I think, you know, just looking at the impact Rafa's had in the, in the two months since he's been here, uh, I, I just want to say the more training sessions he has with these players, I think the better this team is going to get. It, it just seems like they're progressively getting better every week at, at one thing or the other, right? So, again, we, we're not going to win every game out from here, but we are seeing, we're seeing some sort of underlying things that we really like, right? We're seeing some grit. We're seeing some teamwork. We're seeing the guys not necessarily giving up when they go down. Uh, we're showing some attacking intent. Um, love it. I, I think I, I like everything I've seen so far. I, I want to see how far Rafa can take this team, this team, and then I'd love to see how far he can take this team once he has some money to spend. So, yeah, absolutely. I, you know, that's the thing, right? It's like how far he can he get this team, and then hopefully in January or next summer he gets some cap, excuse me, some cash, and and can can start yeah. to spend it. But yeah, I mean, I you know, we look back to last year even. After that seven-game unbeaten streak, we go into an international break where I think we had Richie on a red card, Dean got a red card the week after, and Everton lost three straight matches without a couple of their really big pieces. Right. And you start to get a little worried, and you still you're and, and things kind of took a little bit brief trip off the rails, you know, a little bit. Um, but yeah. steady the ship with a win against a team that you needed to get a win against, and a team that you should have gotten a win against, and. Uh, you know, that's, you know, right. that's huge. So let's take a quick break and we'll come back and we'll talk a little bit quickly about some news and then, um, you know, we'll get into Manchester United, uh, you know, a tiny bit after that, but quick break here and we'll come back with, with some of the Everton news. All right. We're back with Everton news. There's been a couple big things that I think we need to talk about sometimes, especially with three games we need to talk about. We don't include this section, but a couple things that have happened that, um, you know, I, I think are important. First, let's talk in, you know, let's talk quickly about uh, John, Jean-Philippe Gabamon. Uh, obviously, we haven't seen him in too long, hasn't been on the bench. 
Now we're start yeah. hearing today, back in August, he was, a, I believe, I guess, rep, reprimanded, arrested. I don't know if he was arrested, but in some way taken in for drink driving. I guess he hit a, another yep. car on the road with his car um, close to his house. Um, ends up getting a 25,000 pound fine as well as 14 months without driving. Um, his career has been kind of a mess of different things and this doesn't help yeah. adding to it. Your thoughts on him, your thoughts on whether this played into his absence over the last few weeks and kind of what his future is now. <sighs> So as far as his footballing future, I, I don't think this does anything, right? Uh, does it show that, you know, there's, there's some sort of underlying problem? I don't know. You know, listening to some of the conversation on Twitter today, I, I, I don't know if people are reading too much into it, right? I've heard all sorts of things like alcoholism being thrown out there. And it's like, who knows, guys, right? We don't know what's going on behind the scenes, right? I will tell you from my reading of the news report and from what I read, uh, what the defense lawyer said on this, I, I, I think he actually kind of makes a, a pretty good case for his client, which I guess is what lawyers do, right? But the lawyer basically put it as that this is a guy who's, who's been, he's honest, he's hardworking, he donates to charities, this is not the kind of thing he does. Um, I, I think from all the news that we've heard around the player, he's not a partier, if you will, right? He wasn't out there flouting COVID restrictions um, and hosting parties. This is not like his fifth offense. Um, we've never heard anything about this guy outside of work, which is the world of Everton, right? He's not even a player we often see in like, you know, fan pictures, like people running, running into him in the streets or anything. So he keeps a pretty low profile. It sounds like on this night he'd had a drink, I think his lawyer says, with dinner and then had gone to bed. And then sounds like he woke up like early in the morning to give this friend a ride home uh, when the incident happened and he got breathalyzed and he was at one and a half times the limit. I Again, one drink does not get you one and a half times the limit. So I don't know how much of this is for real or whatever it is. But I, they didn't try to dodge the charge or anything. He said he was guilty. And I think in his own statement, he said, um, yep, my lawyer has spoken for me. I am sorry. Um, again, we got to remember, this is a guy whose family are, I think, they're distributed across France and Germany. So he pretty much lives on his own, doesn't have too many friends. Um, so, hey, what? He hung out with his friends and had a drink. I can't have a problem with that, right? Yeah. Was it irresponsible going out after drinking? Yeah, yeah, you should have probably called an Uber. I mean, come on, right? So, the, uh, again, I'm not going to beat him up for it. This is the, 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 just a, you know, launching a witch hunt or doubting his Everton career because of this sounds like bullshit to me. That, that, that's, that's garbage. I don't think as fans we need to be doing that. Um, clearly, whatever issue he had off the pitch, he's resolved. Now, if he gets into another scrap like this soon, let's have another conversation about it, right? Yeah. But right now, over this, I'm not burying him. No, no, not at all. Yeah, no, I mean, it, it's, it's hard. I mean, you know, he has obviously been through a lot, the injuries and whatnot, and, and who knows? I mean, I, I know yep. 
you know, we talked about in the Slack that maybe this was the reason for his absence, but reading back, I, I believe that some of the reporters had said he had a thigh strain um, that he picked up in training. So that could be yeah. a reason as well. Um, but you know, it's, like, like you said, I don't know if one drink and then going to bed and then waking up and taking your friend. I don't know if that's how you get one and a half times the legal limit, but, um, <laughs> but I, I think, you know, listen, it's, uh, it's a one-time occurrence. It's, it doesn't seem like it's something that he does often, yeah. like goes out and parties all the time, like you said. So I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt on this one. He's going to serve his, you know, little, his driving suspension and, is uh is fine and hopefully um yep. you know we could see him in the team soon again from a football perspective but hopefully it's not something that keeps popping up uh, in the future so um i figure we needed to talk about that just because it is is it is a bit of news um and we haven't seen yeah. it in a while um and then the other thing we need to talk about is richarlison um he has been really a um he's been very loyal to the club. I think for the majority of the time he's been here, he's given his all to the club each and every week, each and every year. Um, but he has released some comments on his future, which was in question this, at least with the club, which was in question this uh, past summer. Yeah. And I think those are very interesting comments saying a lot of things like, I'm not going to leave unless it's good for the club. And for me, um, you know, that he, you know, basically saying a lot more of what we believe that he is very loyal to the club and that he, um, you know, yeah. he cares about the club and, and, and wants to see the club succeed, basically. Your thoughts on these comments and, and just, you know, the, I guess, ever-evolving story of Richie and his time here at Everton. Yeah, no, I, 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 I think as a fan, I, I, I felt good about his comments from the perspective that I, I don't see him, um, you know, sort of deserting the club in a lurch or that kind of thing, right? Um, Again, we know who we are, like as Evertonians, right? We're not challenging for Premier League titles right now, and we are not a ch even a Champions League football team right now, right? And players like Richardson, players who wear the number ten for Brazil, don't often come and play for teams like Everton, right? That, and that's the truth, and I, I think we need to accept that. So, and I think we have, right? Most fans, if you ask them, do you really think Richarlison is going to play out his career at Everton? They're going to tell you, of course not, right? So someday, uh, uh, you know, I was, I was about to throw out Real Madrid and Barcelona is going to come knocking. But let's take that back in the light of what's happened this week, right? So let's talk about someday a Bayern Munich or a PSG or maybe even a Man City is going to come knocking for, for Richarlison. And we are going to... We're going to wave him goodbye, just like we have some great players like Ghana Gay, for example. I can, you know, I'm thinking about him after that fantastic goal he scored yesterday. So, yeah, I, I think we know Richie is going to eventually leave. Um, I think what I'm really happy to hear from his words is that he's not going to pull a Ross Barkley when he leaves, right? And try to jip us out of a pretty big transfer fee because, again, if Everton is smart, they're asking for nothing less than $100 million for him. Now, whether we get $100 million or not, that's fine, whatever. You know, I think I'll even take 70 in this current uh, footballing climate right now. Yeah. But to hear Richie say that, you know, when he, when he said, I have great affection for the people of Everton and for the club. They've received me so well from the first day I arrived. Um, and then if I stay, I will continue to give my life for this shirt and for the fans. 
because they've always supported me and have been with me through all the times. That's great to hear, right? So that, you know, even if we know PSG is coming for him next summer, right? We're never going to question his commitment, right? He's going to play his heart out. He is going to run himself into the ground until the 97th minute, every game, yeah. until the day he leaves Everton. And that, that I, I think, is, is this, I, I, you know, I, I think having players like him and having people like the Townsend's mentality on this team, I think that's great. I, I think that's what we want. Yeah, I think it's, it's very clear that you can see, you can find players. You don't have to go out and, and get the Hamas Rodriguez's of the world or the, you know, just, and just to use him as an example, some player who has come here as being one of those top talented players. You can find players who may not have found their, hit their stride yet. And they're going to come and they're going to right. turn into these great players like Richarlison has. And they, like you said, they will yep. move on, but um, there's players who will come here and want to play whether they're good, you know, whether they're extremely talented or just, you know, uh, you know, very good or whatever you want, want to say about it. Um, I mean, Richarlison yeah. is probably one of the more talented young players um, in the Premier League. And he's been very loyal to Everton. Even after the, the rumors of PSG coming knocking, he's come out and he said this. And he said, you know, I, you know, he hasn't made a big deal, hasn't put in a transfer request, hasn't, you know, made a big public right you know, thing about the fact that he wants to leave or anything like that. He stayed very true yeah. to him. Um, I think that's all you could really ask for from a player of his talent. And, you know, he's yeah. given the club, you know, there were a lot of really bad transfers made around, you know, in, in that time that, that has put it at this club back. But I think one of the transfers that a lot of people thought, oh, 50 million for Richarlison or whatever it was, um, it was up there. Yeah, uh, that's so much. Why would you pay for a player like that? He's really proven a lot of people wrong in that in that aspect. Absolutely, he's been a fantastic yeah. player for Everton. A fantastic, you know, I guess you know, ambassador for our for our club, um, mm -hmm. and has done so many yeah. good things on and off the pitch. And um, you know, it is it is really nice to see these things from him. After all the things that we've heard about with these different players. And, you know, you can name them all. Obviously, Hamas had his problems. Fabian Delph not exactly yeah. endearing himself to the fans. And all no. these players who have come in here, and, and a lot of them been yeah. paid big wages and haven't really given anything back to Everton. Richarlison has no. been the, quite the opposite. So, um, yep. you know, you just you love to see that. So let's take another quick yeah. break, and let's get into Manchester United. We'll break that down, and then we'll – We'll wrap things up. So another quick break right here. All right, we're back and we're talking Everton versus Manchester United. This match is going to take place and I completely forgot to check. So I'm going to check right now, unless you have it off the top of your head. Um, <laughs> it's on Saturday. It yeah. Yes. Saturday. Ah, yes. The good old Saturday early kickoff. Uh, 730 AM yep. on Saturday over here on the East coast. 12.30 p.m. over on the uh, over in England. Um, this is a Manchester United team that currently sits equal with Everton on points, uh, tied at 13 through six matches. Last year, United finished in second place in the Premier League on 74 points. Uh, they defeated us 3-1 in October. Uh, that was around the end of that Richie, as we were talking about before, the Richie, Dean, suspensions with all that that was happening. I think Coleman yeah. got hurt too. Um, and then they, we drew with them in February 3-3. Three, three. 
They also knocked us out of the EFL Cup in December 2-0 and then beat us 4-0 in preseason uh, this year. Um, United, obviously, with some big moves. They've added Jaden Sancho. They've added Cristiano Ronaldo. Um, two fantastic players. Sancho really hasn't kicked off yet. Ronaldo, obviously, has already made his impact on the club, as you would expect him to. Um, yeah. So, you know, as I mentioned, we, we did lose 4 nothing in preseason. I think even since then, this Everton squad has come, come a long way. Do you read too much into that preseason result as we go into this match? Obviously, things are significantly different in terms of players available to each team. What's your thoughts on the preseason match and whether that really yeah. is anything to worry about coming into this one? Yeah, I, 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 I wouldn't read anything into that preseason, right? I mean, it's, it's a preseason game. I think there's a reason why you play the preseason, right? It's just to work out some of the rust. And, and so clearly we were still pretty rusty at that time uh, with a manager who had been on the job for just a couple of weeks at that point. So not concerned about that. Um, I am obviously concerned that United are a very, very, very deep squad and that, um, you know, they can line up two starting 11s that are probably both equally capable of beating us. Um, so that's obviously the concern. Um, it, it is a lot of football for them to play, right? Uh, they played last Saturday, then they played again today, and then they play again on Saturday. Um, so they, but then they have the depth to kind of compensate for that. Uh, we, for, on the other hand, have had a break, so that's good. I would love to hope, hopefully we can uh, get maybe a Richarlison back for this one, uh, considering we saw him in the stadium uh, last weekend, so maybe yeah. he is fit. I don't know. Uh, but, yeah, it's, it's, the, the, the challenge here is not going to be United. Um, well, actually, let's put it this way. I'm actually kind of glad they came back to win this game because had they lost, they would have played, they would have been pretty pissed on Saturday. Yeah. You know what I mean? Especially they, they after the... and, and angry. Yeah, especially after the situations of the Aston Villa. Yeah, exactly. Right, right. So, uh, yeah, no, I'm pretty glad that they were able to pull out a result here. Uh, uh, again, I, I think it, just, just uh, I, I, I don't know how Rafa will approach this game because. I think his mindset, if we had our, our, our full 11 fit, would be a little different than how he would take this on without them, right? Yeah. Um, again, knowing United, uh, and I don't think they have any injuries or anything, so they're they probably going to have Fernandez. They, oh, they do? What do they have? They do. Um, I actually heard this today. I think Harry Maguire will be out for a few weeks for them. So that's a center back. Oh, and then wow. Luke Shaw, I'm not sure. I know he's, he was on the bench today that – Ole Gunnar Solskjaer said he was available to be on the bench today, which I guess would lead me to believe that he would um, be available on Saturday Probably to start. Too. But um, those yeah. are two defensive things that could be maybe an issue issue for them. Who knows? For them, yeah. So, yeah, and in that case, then, again, when, when, when United are playing Pogba in the middle, I, I think it leaves them a weaker side. Then when they can do the four-two-three-one with Pogba playing sort of the wide left in front of Shaw, I think that's where they're at their most dangerous. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> again, United problems in defensive midfield are, are are legendary. At this point, I would rather have our midfield of Alan and Dokere over theirs. <laughs> I, I think it's going to be probably yeah. Fred and McTominay starting there. So 
I, I think that's where the battle is going to be won or lost. Uh, the, the challenge is going to be keeping Fernandez quiet, right? Fernandez mm-hmm. just has this phenomenal record against Everton. I, I don't know what it is <laughs> about us that just just brings his game on. It's like, come on, man, take a day off, will you? So. I- <laughs> I think um, the big thing with him I, I, I is... I don't know. This game could go anywhere. But. Yeah. I think the big thing with, with him and just watching a lot of United this season, he kind of just lurks. He doesn't really make too many, like, too many movements towards the ball. He kind of just chills in the middle of the pitch and, and, you know, makes his moves from there. But at the worst possible time, he just knows when to hit you and make that late run in yeah. the box or make that pass. He sees that pass. So I think that's the biggest thing is yeah. he doesn't really... I think he kind of lulls the defenders to sleep a little bit because he doesn't do too much moving. But when he gets on the ball, he makes that late run. He's so dangerous. So that's obviously something we're going to have to worry about. Cristiano Ronaldo, I mean, I would imagine. I mean, let's get into it right now. I mean, we talked a little about possibly expecting Richarlison back. Let's talk about the lineup. Um, I mean, I would imagine that it's going to be Mina – and Keen in the back, especially with Cristiano Ronaldo's yeah. aerial threat, right? It, it, it would have to be, yeah. I, uh, Mina has to play. I think Mina had an excellent game against Norwich. Mina's got to start this one. Um, I, I think the difference is going to be if Everton are going to plan to defend for 90 minutes in this one, then start Keen. And then, because I, I would say if there is, any one player who might disturb Ronaldo in the air, it might be Michael Keane. Yeah. But, you know, playing Keane also is the liability of him getting caught for pace, but I don't necessarily see us having a high line in this game, right? I think we're going to bunker, park the bus, call it whatever you want, and, and, and just so I wouldn't be surprised to see Mina and Keane start this one. Um, Godfrey out on the right. Um, and then uh, Dini out on the left. But again, it's a scary proposition because, uh, you know, Dini, right? Let's talk about Dini a little bit, right? So again, quality player, no way, shape or form am I saying that Dini needs to be dropped, not that we have anyone to replace him with. <laughs> not that right? we could. <laughs> but, <laughs> right? But that aside, I mean, Dini is all, I think he is not the greatest at pace, right? I think we were terrified Max Ahrens would, would run roughshod all over him, and he didn't except for one situation when Aaron's did get around him, and then Dini had to yank him back and got a yeah. yellow card, right? Yeah. Very now, similar to the Matty the Cash incident. Green- Oh, the Matty Cash incident, too. I'm sorry. That's actually a really good call-out. Right, yeah. Matty Cash absolutely made him look terrible, too. So, um, so the absolutely last player I want to see Dini going up against is Mason Greenwood, and guess what? He's going to play up against Mason Greenwood <laughs> And Greenwood's in amazing form right now, right? I mean, Greenwood is, is really one of the best young footballers in the country right now. So this is, this is going to be a scary game. I, I don't know where Everton can focus their defensive attention, right? Does Alan try to stay at home a little more and support Dini on the left? In which case, then Dokore has to sort of spread right and support um, Godfrey because Godfrey's then going to go up against either Pogba or Sancho and then Luke Shaw behind him, right? And Luke Shaw yeah. has already shown he can be very, very effective on that side against Everton. So it's like we're just going to have to pick our battle and pick one we're going to lose because yeah. if Alan and Dokore are getting split on either side, who is covering the middle where Fernandez is probably going to be roaming around all yep. three? So 
I don't know. I, uh, <laughs> I, if, I, if we uh, had three, go ahead. No, yeah, I would. I, I don't know what we're going to do. Um, I mean, I guess you could. I mean, he doesn't really want to play John Joe Kenny. I mean, you could realistically, I guess, go three at the back or five at the back yeah. and play Kenny and then leave those three there and, and let Dean just be a little bit more advanced. You could put a Wobie on Dean's side and allow him to play that more defensive midfielder kind of the defensive like winger role, I guess, that he's so used to playing and then run if for Charleston and, and Gray are both fit then run them up the middle. I mean, I, I don't really yeah. know. Like you said, if if, if that's the situation, uh, Bruno Fernandez is going to get a lot of room in the middle of the field, and that's a problem. Yeah. So, I, I think if if Richarlison is not ready to go in this one, right, you might be onto something with going with the five man backline, right? But I think the difference here would be instead of the right wing back being Kenny. Maybe the right wing back is Iwobi. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So now you've got Iwobi yeah. and Dine as your yep. two wing backs who can both counter at pace. But I mean, Iwobi has pretty good defensive work ethic. I'm, yeah. I'm okay with his, yeah. his work ethic in that position. Right? So now you've got your five there. So now you might be looking at a 5 4 1 or a 5 3 2. Um, yeah. And then have Townsend be the right sided midfielder in a 5 3 2, right? So I think the lineup then looks like you've got uh, Mina, Keane, and Godfrey. That's your three. You've got the the wingbacks as Dini and Iwobi. And then the three midfielders are Alan, Dokore, and Townsend. And then yeah. two up front with Rondon and Gray. I, I, that might be Everton's best formation given current injury status. Yeah, I mean, it's what? A 5-3-2 in defense and then maybe more of like a uh, you know 3-5 or three four three in attack or something like that with three, four, three, Townsend yeah. stepping up in there and then Gray maybe shooting out to the left hand exactly. side. Um yeah, I yep. mean that's I, I that's problem. I mean that may be an option. That may be something that we see. So I mean I would imagine defense is going to be the key. So Rafa is going to go probably for a more defensive approach. So I mean I yeah. get that's probably your best bet would be my guess. Um would be going the five at the back just to shore up those wings without giving too much up in the middle of the field. Um, so that, so that, that, that's basically Villa's setup too. And, and that's yeah. how Villa played United. I, I wouldn't be surprised if, if, if Rafa, you know, picks a few things out of that, that sort of uh, highlight reel to see what, what they yeah. did, what really worked for them there. Yep. Yeah. And, um, and we have seen Richarlison in some training videos, obviously the, Funny video of Alan laughing at Richarlison <laughs> in the gym. So that's a good sign. Good sign. Yeah. Um, but, um, I mean, I, it, we're not expecting Dominic Calvert-Lewin back this week, right? Think no, he's, he's no, I, I, I don't think so. I mean, that's fine. You know, yeah, give I, him I, the extra, that... I give him the extra couple weeks, give him that time off, and then bring him back after the break, I think, yeah. is the best, best situation. Um, how do we win this game? <laughs> or how do we get a draw? How do we get a result in this game? Well, th- th- I think the key is going to be United's defensive midfielders. If we can sustain pressure on those guys, and knowing that now Maguire's out, 
I think there, there I think there might be a soft center there to take advantage of. Yep. Yeah. Um, so uh, you know, th- this might be Rondon's opportunity to to be that sort of uh, focal point for the team up front. Um, Varane looked really ordinary today against Villarreal. So uh, I, 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 I like my chances of Gray running at him. Um, yeah. <clears throat> the key is going to be just getting past that, that midfield uh, pivot of Fred and McTominay. I'm guessing those are the guys who will start in that position. Yeah, I can uh, but, you know, even if Pogba plays in that role, again, Pogba's eyes are always about 40, 40 yards upfield, right? So it's easy to catch him out. I, I, I think we might be able to victimize him. But, yeah, I, I think this game is going to get won and lost right in that area there. If yeah. we can get past their defensive midfielders, uh, I think we might have an opportunity. Yeah, I think you got to put pressure. As we were talking about, right, that press, that that high press, that allowing those yeah. players to go after that, and how we turn the, you know, how Gray turned the player over for uh, the goal in, against Norwich. That's probably very similar. You got to put pressure on Fred because, as we've seen, he has a propensity yeah. for giving up the ball and making mistakes when he's got pressure yeah. on. So definitely have to put pressure on Fred, and I think that back line, Lindelof, I would imagine, would step in in that role and in, in in place of Maguire and. I mean, he's had his fair share of mistakes too. So it's not, you know, there's, oh, yeah. not, a, there's not a, you know, Varane, I think, has even had a mistake this season already. So, um, you know, yeah. like you said, that center of the field there, that back center, I guess you can call it, <laughs> the, the, the back third yeah. center of the field for them, um, that's probably where Everton are going to have to put the pressure on and try and turn the ball over to get chances. I think if they let the ball get too far upfield, they're going to get sucked in and then, um, you know, it's going to yeah. become more of a, okay, you know, Pogba to Fernandez whipping crosses in from Shaw, and it's going to be a lot of attack. Yeah. And we will see that. We will see that at times. It We're going to have to just right. soak up that pressure. But I think Everton's chances are going to come from turning the ball over in that defensive midfield and turning their center backs over um, and, and making them pay for that. Um, let's move on. Let's wrap this thing up here. Predictions for this uh, match. Hard, hard, hard to feel confident for this one. Uh, again, not not having our first choice lineup. Uh, I'll say United win this one two one. Um, I, I don't think we're gonna get played off the park. Um, I, I think we'll be in it, but uh, you know, maybe, maybe tired legs towards the end of the game. And uh, yeah, I'd say United win two one. Yeah, and this game is at is at Old Trafford, so it's not at Goodison. Um, I don't know. I'm I'm struggling. You know, it's easy to say, oh, we need to put the pressure on those, those central midfielders. But I'm <laughs> yeah. struggling to think it's actually going to work. Um, I think that United <laughs> win by probably – I think they win by two goals, which, again, I think the biggest thing we need to say here is it's, it's okay if we lose this game. If we don't get, as long as we don't get played off the pitch, it's okay if we lose this right. game. It's not the end of the world if we lose exactly. this game, um, especially with the lack sure. of first-choice options. Um, but I, I'm going to say – it's, I think it's going to be two goals. I, I, I'm going to say 3-1. I think we get a goal, but I think it's just United end up being too much and um, for, for a, you know, kind of a, you know, half-choice Everton lineup or, you know, not first choice at least. So, all right. Not first that choice, ab- yeah. Not first choice, yeah. Yep. That about wraps it up. Uh, got anything else um, that you want to talk about, Calvin, before we, before we close the thing out? Uh, no, just uh, one more thing. Just want to shout out a feature – 
Um, that's back on the site now after a couple of years. But uh, for the guys who've been reading Royal Blue Mersey for many years, uh, we used to have Adam on the crew, and Adam used to do this great job with the tactical reviews of games where he'd break things down. Um, we've got uh, we've got the famous tactically Ev from Twitter, as you know, and a lot of folks on Twitter follow him and love his tactical analysis of games. Um, and so, uh, tactically, Ev is actually doing a lot of work for us uh, on Royal Blue Mersey. So he previews every game and then he breaks it down after the game. Uh, so yeah, keep your eyes on the site. Uh, he's gonna have his preview up um, sometime on Friday. And uh, yeah, that, you know, Gino, you and I just talked about how we're gonna beat United. Um, I, I think Ev is gonna <laughs> gonna tell us something completely different, and he's been closer <laughs> to what Rafa's been thinking. So let, we let the expert chime in, right? Yeah, absolutely. I'm sure he has a much better idea of what's going to go on on Saturday than we will um, because he is the expert. Um, But yeah, he's been doing awesome stuff. I love everything that he's done and really opened my eyes to a lot of things that Everton have been doing and kind of made, you know, helped me see things a little bit differently on the pitch as well. So really good job by him. Keep checking that out because it is really, really good stuff. Um, Calvin, thank you so much for joining me. I appreciate it. Um, And to you guys, yeah. And to you guys out there, thank you for listening. Um, thank you for uh, subscribing. Just make sure you just keep downloading, keep subscribing. Whatever you got to do, get your friends on it. Uh, we appreciate the support. And we will talk to you guys probably in two weeks because we have the international break coming up. We'll take a little bit of a break and come back with this review in, um, in a couple weeks. If it is earlier, it is earlier. But uh, I, I would bank on you know, a couple weeks before we see another, uh, before we put another podcast out. So keep an eye out for that one. We, again, we appreciate you guys and we'll talk to you guys next week or two weeks from now.